We are in the midst of a sermon series that comes to its conclusion today. This has been a sermon series on faith and technology. It seems to me these last 16 months, all of us have wrestled in new ways with technology. We've been forced to deal with video conferencing and interact in that way. We have used live streaming, and many of us have used smartphones and tablets and leaned on those in a new fashion, and it has raised questions how, for people of faith. How does our faith relate to technology, and how does technology in turn impact our faith? I've been exploring those issues with you all through Scripture readings, and this sermon series has been entirely titled, OK Computer, after a great Radiohead album of that title. And today I want to look especially at mediation, the notion of mediation in technology and mediation in our faith. And so let's look together at a scripture passage from the first letter of Timothy, chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, as we prepare for the reading and hearing of God's Word. Let's pray. Loving God, we long to both hear and understand Your Word, and yet Your ways are beyond our ways. Your ways are above our ways. So illumine our minds, we pray. Open our understanding, open our ears that we would hear Your Word to us this morning, and that in hearing we might live it out. In Christ's name we ask these things. Amen. Here's the reading from 1 Timothy chapter 2, 1 through 7. Listen for God's Word to us. First of all then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving should be made for everyone, for kings and all who are in high positions, so that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and dignity. This is right and is acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, there is only also one mediator between God and humankind, Christ Jesus, Himself human, who gave Himself a ransom for all. This was attested at the right time. For this I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I'm telling the truth. I'm not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and in truth. Friends, this is the word of the Lord and all God's people said, thanks be to God. Well, back in 1981, a Canadian inventor named Steve Mann introduced the first generation of what he called the digital eyeglass, the digital eyeglass. This is a visual aid to help people see better. It's especially meant for individuals who have some kind of visual impairment. This device has a tiny computer that allows it to record video through a camera and then it translates that video into images. It can augment the video, transform it in some fashion where by the time it reaches the eye of the viewer, it has been changed, made acceptable to that viewer, allowed that viewer's impairments to be addressed. If you need more light, if your eyes struggle with not enough illumination, that can be added by this computer. If you need it more 
more darkened, it can do that too. Nearsighted, farsighted, this kind of device can impact all of that. This digital eyeglass has been called a major development in computer-mediated reality. Computer-mediated reality. That term has also been applied to welding helmets. You know the old kind of welding helmet. You need a welding helmet of some kind because the heat is so intense when you are working to join materials with this welding process. You need some way to protect your eyes or you will go blind. Your eyes will be damaged. And so a welder traditionally has had this screen to at least dim the light perform a kind of separation between what's actually in front of them, this very intense light and heat, and their eyes, but enter computer-mediated reality. And now there are welding helmets like this one. In this welding helmet, there are images that are taken through those binoculars right around the middle of the helmet. And then those images are taken by a computer, adjusted digitally, and then fed to the human eyes inside the helmet. It takes what's real, a heat too intense for human eyes to take in, and mediates it, allowing a person to receive it and then to respond appropriately, to move their hands and act as they should because they can receive what is right in front of them in a way that their eyes can actually take. Computer-mediated reality. If you're joining us for worship online right now, you are experiencing that this very moment. You're experiencing worship in a little different fashion than you would if you were here. Just one example of this is the backlighting of our cross that we noticed once this backlighting was installed. If you're looking at this cross here in the sanctuary, it probably looks white. If you are looking from your homes, it might have a slight blue hue. And now, Shay, could you raise the red tint on the backlighting? And if you're in the sanctuary, you'll probably notice it looks kind of rose behind the cross. If you're watching the service from your screens, it will probably look far uh, more like white with maybe a slight red hue. And now let's try the blue. If we have blue backlighting on the cross, it will look sort of like a purplish hue here in the sanctuary. If you're watching from your homes, you'll notice it's kind of a neon blue surrounding a white hue. This points out something we're all aware of today, that when we receive something through a computer, it is mediated reality. And the way we all know this the best, of course, is through Zoom, right? Through Zoom and, tele and video conferencing, we don't actually see the person the way those in the sanctuary might see the person sitting next to you. Instead, what we see is an image captured of them that is then transmitted to where we are. Same with their voice. And it's been fun to see people play with the virtual backgrounds, you know, where they suddenly throw the San Francisco bridge behind them. It's a reminder that this is a form of computer-mediated reality that all of us have grown quite accustomed to these last 16 months. And so with this experience of mediated reality fresh in all of our minds, this seems an excellent time to reflect together on what mediation is about and especially on God's mediating work in Christ. 
for Christians, you see, we believe that if you get right down to it, the only way we can relate to God, the only way we can gaze upon God is through mediation. Mediation in our faith is crucial. We're called as a people to live in loving relationship with God, of course, to make God's purposes our purposes, but how do you relate to a power that is so far above and beyond us? How do you approach a glory so great that the human eye and mind can't hope to grasp it? It's even worse than a welder staring at an intense heat. It's like a human being staring at the sun. How do you do that? How do you approach God? How do you look at the source, guide, and goal of all things and not go blind or have your mind explode? You might remember in the book of Exodus how Moses, after Moses had approached God, drawn near to God, God had drawn near to Moses on the mountaintop. Moses had to veil his face because the glory was too intense for others to behold. Can you imagine approaching God directly. God in our scriptures is presented as other than humanity, radically other. For God's the one who is before all things, behind all things, over all things. How do you possibly relate to someone, to a being like that? And so when the ancient people of God describe how the tabernacle should be built, and especially that spot called the Holy of Holies that was thought to be a, a house or a dwelling place that invited the very presence of God, all sorts of stipulations were put in place so people didn't draw too close to the intensity of that glory without being prepared lest they be destroyed. And yet we long, long to know God. We long to approach God, to have God's vision of justice and peace shape our engagement for social and political change. We long to have God's presence fill us so we don't lose hope and we don't forget that we are not alone in the journey. We want to know the love of the one who created, fashioned, and formed us and called us, our faith professes, God's very own. We want to know we're children not just of human parents, but a divine parent who loves us and cares for us. But how do you relate to a, a parent who is so radically other, who occupies a whole different reality, that reality of heaven, when we are squarely here on earth? How do those two realms possibly intersect? That's a question that's raised again and again in Scripture when you are broken and imperfect. How do you relate to someone who is perfect and whole? When you are of earth, how do you relate to someone of heaven? And the answer, the answer today's passage proclaims is a mediator. The answer is the mediation of Christ, like a welder who has a digital eyeglass to help them view an intense heat. We need a mediator someone who can bring to us a reality that would otherwise be way too intense for our eyes or our minds. That kind of mediator we read in today's passage from 1 Timothy is what we have in Christ. Today's passage begins with counsel to pray not only for the poor 
and the oppressed, for the downtrodden and marginalized, for certainly they need our prayers. But today's passage also counsels praying for even kings and those in high places, for they too need God, and they too need God to be at work in them for all of us to live peaceably and with dignity and in godliness. All, we are told, need God's saving work. But this raises the question, how? How might God's salvation come to us when God is radically other? How might God's love possibly reach us in a way we can receive it? How might God's work at bringing an end to racism, classism, sexism, homophobia, homelessness, environmental destruction, how might that penetrate our world and put in its place shalom? Shalom meaning right relationships with one another, with the God who created us and with the earth God made. How might God's ways penetrate our ways, transform our ways when God and humanity, creator and creation are categorically different? Well, the author of 1 Timothy addresses this question, noting that just as there is one God, there is one mediator between God and humanity, Jesus Christ. In Him, the two sides that seemed unbridgeable, we read, were brought together, a mediator can do that. The right kind of mediator can do that. Well, back in December of 1996, it seemed to the musicians of the San Francisco Symphony that they had an intractable and unbridgeable divide between them and management and the board. On one side, there were the musicians of the San Francisco Symphony who were demanding better pay, a new pension plan, longer vacations, and limits placed on out-of-town tours. And then management was demanding additional Sunday concerts and greater flexibility in scheduling. Neither side would give in to the other's demands, nor would they relent on their demands. They needed some way to bridge this divide. They needed a mediator. But initially, no mediator was to be found, and 105 musicians of the San Francisco Symphony walked out on strike, and for more than 60 days, they were on strike with more than 40 concerts canceled. The differences seemed intractable. But then, the San Francisco Symphony loves to tell the story of how mediators entered the picture. One mediator in particular, a fellow named Gary Friedman, entered the scene and he met with the musicians and he met with management. And together they crafted a new joint program, a new way forward. On one hand, it acknowledged that there were different interests involved here, but it also lifted up common interests and focused on common goals and purposes. It also lifted up not only understanding your side, but empathizing with the other side, musicians and management empathizing with each other, trying to understand the other. And through this process, this new program of conflict resolution, eventually their relationship, that between management and musicians was transformed. It was change. Now, there were still contracts to be hammered out each year. They still had to come to a table, and there were often still differences, but now they were worked out through negotiation and deep mutual respect. 
It was no longer a war with two sides lobbing grenades at each other. There was a sense that they were in it together. The seemingly unbridgeable divide had been crossed thanks to the work of the right kind of mediator. And thanks to his work, that symphony was able to make great music. Christ, we read in the book of 1 Timothy, is the great mediator, bringing together God and humanity. Christ overcame the barrier of sin, paying what today's text calls a ransom. Now, this word in the original Greek implies the paying of either a debt owed or paying the cost that's needed for a prisoner to be released or a slave to be freed. The Apostle Paul, in this letter to 1 Timothy, describes himself as such a person, one who was greatly in debt because of his sin. He describes himself as a persecutor of the faithful and a man of violence, and he needed some way out of it, some way he could not find himself. And then he writes in the first chapter of 1 Timothy of how Christ's grace and love came down to him and how that transformed him. Through that love, through that connection he had with God through Christ, he was declared faithful. He was judged righteous. He was changed instead of a persecutor of the faithful to one who was faithful and a defender of the oppressed. He was changed from a man of violence to a man of nonviolence. And through that connection by faith that allowed God's grace and love to overtake him, he became a vessel of God's blessing and goodness, a proclaimer of the gospel to the world. In his book, The Mediation of Christ, Thomas Torrance reflects on, this two, on a twofold nature of God's mediation, how God and humanity come together in Christ in two ways. Torrance notes that on the one hand in Christ, the revelation of God is brought down to us, but he also notes how our apprehension and understanding are transformed such that we can receive the revelation God offers. Torrance notes that on one hand in Christ the Word of God came near to us, but also we were transformed, our practices, our worship was recrafted such that we could receive that Word of God. Our minds were illumined as we pray before reading Scripture. There's that twofold nature of Christ's work, bringing God near to us, transforming us that we might be brought near to God. That twofold movement is the mediation that we know in Jesus Christ. We are then molded and crafted like the ancient people of Israel were into a people that can then be a blessing to all people. A mediator, the right kind of mediator can accomplish amazing things. We know, of course, mediation can be problematic, it can be complex, and people certainly can use mediation for their own purposes, for their own gain. When we think of technological mediation today, when we think of how social media companies, for example, can use particular images or advertisements, we know they have often a particular purpose. They want to sell things or to get advertising dollars or to build brand loyalty. In other words, that technological mediation in social media has another purpose. It isn't just bringing reality to us. There is another interest as well. 
a mediator in the San Francisco symphony was only interested in their own financial gain would probably not have been an effective mediator. They would have been interested in how this would help them, not how it would help the two different sides, management and musicians. The right kind of mediator keeps their focus on the two parties involved and offers themselves in service that the gap, the divide might be bridged and the two might come together. And that, friends, that First Timothy proclaims is the kind of mediator we have in Christ. He offered himself as a bridge. He presented himself as an offering, a ransom that the two sides, God and a sinful humanity, might be brought together through the one we call Savior. And so as Christians today, we proclaim that mediator. We proclaim not ourselves as the world's salvation, not ourselves as the solution, but God and God's work in Christ. Paul notes he's not the mediator. He's not the focused. He's not the one. He has all sorts of issues, all sorts of background. He's got a lot of work for God still to do in him, but he can speak of the one who is the right kind of mediator. He can teach about that mediator. He can lift that mediator up, and that is our call as disciples to receive and proclaim not ourselves, but the mediation of Christ. Christ and not you and I. Christ is the right kind of mediator. Well, today as a congregation, we are celebrating one who, like Paul of old and like leaders in the church around the world today, has proclaimed in her ministry not herself, but the great mediator we have in Christ. Pastors, and I'll admit this, we can sometimes be prone to place ourselves at the center of our ministry, you know, to lift up ourselves as the solution to people's struggles. We don't try to do it, but sometimes it happens. Pastors can sometimes place their own personality as the gathering point, you know, the center around which the life of a particular community has its focus and its strength, not alley, not alley. Like the apostle described in today's passage, her work teaching children and adults caring for a community and fostering their Christian education and spiritual formation, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ and attending to the administrative tasks of leading faithful ministry in this alley could never be accused of making herself the center. Instead, she constantly sought to direct attention to God's work in Christ again and again. She pointed to Christ's work in other ministers like all of you. That's why she has recruited you, probably each one in this sanctuary, to serve in some fashion, maybe in a ministry of hospitality or to teach Sunday school, or like Aaron to serve in drama ministries, or like James today to serve as our slide projection person to invite you into ministry. Over the pandemic, she was just amazing. She was constantly thinking, who from our congregation can we lift up? Can we show through this video stream that people might see Christ's work in them, not just in me, not just in the pastoral staff, but in other people as well? That has always been deeply valuable and a vital part of her ministry. She proclaims the one who did what we could not, the one who brought heaven 
and earth together, God and humanity. It has been a great blessing, 11 years now, 11 years, to serve in ministry alongside a herald and pastor like Allie. Her deeds and words have lifted up the right kind of mediator. Well, friends, may we as God's people proclaim the greatness, not of ourselves, but of the mediator, Jesus Christ, and may we give that mediator all the praise. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, amen.